0: There you go. So no one at the office is walking around normal anymore. That's what that that means. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here, especially if you're a guest. My name is Kenny, and uh, we're starting a brand new uh, series that we're calling Ghost Stories, and uh, it's only two weeks. So I really want to encourage you to come back next Sunday so that you can hear everything that we're talking about. Because today I'm going to talk to you about who is the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday we'll talk about what does the Holy Spirit actually do. So, uh, and here's what I know: there are probably three groups of people in the room. Uh, when I say, the first group, when I say, The Holy Spirit, you probably go, the holy who? Like, it's just all new to you. You didn't grow up in church. You didn't grow up in a spiritual family. And you've just been coming for just a short period of time. And you are absolutely loving what God's doing in your life. So you're just like a sponge, just learning, learning. You're in a great spot where you are. So just keep listening, keep taking notes, and keep applying everything that we talk about on Sunday. The second group of people in the room, if I go the Holy Spirit, there's something in you that goes, Oh, yes, the Holy Spirit. Three in one, one in three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the raiser of life, the giver of life himself. I understand the Holy Spirit very well. He's like H2O. He's like ice, steam, and water. It's all H2O, but different forms, different functions, same essence. It's like a three-leaf clover. It's one clover, but there are three different separate leaves, different accomplishments. It's like a pretzel. It's all one dough, but it's rolled, and then we have three different spots of it. Like, you got him figured out and you don't have him figured out is what I'm telling you because you just reduce God down to a pretzel. And um, now we come up with different ways of trying to explain God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to jump out there, maybe the first one in the room, and just go, I do not understand God. I don't understand him. Uh, I don't understand my wife. Okay, I don't understand the kids in my house. So if I don't understand the people living in the house with me, there's no way I can fully understand God, and that's okay with me. Uh, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine actually says that God has secret things that are only available to Him to know. We don't get to know those things. We don't get to discover those things. Um, he has a secret space that he lives in, full of knowledge, full of wisdom, where he understands why he does what he does, where many times we may never know why he does what he does, but he fully understands. What we can take confidence in is that everything he has told us about himself, about Jesus, and about the Holy Spirit in his word is exactly what he wants us to know about the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. And then there's a third group of people in the room. Third group of people, you're not the holy who, I'm just learning, I'm not sure, the Holy Spirit, the second group of people, and you're like, oh yeah, I grew up, I understand completely. Third group of people in the room is Okay, listen, when they pass the juice, we're not drinking anything. We are out like grass. I'm just telling you, we're going to get our kids, and we're out of here. This is going to get crazy in just a minute, okay? And, uh, and I get it, because maybe your denomination was, you know, whenever the preacher would talk about God, uh, youth always thought he had an A at the end of his name, God, duh. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, duh the Holy Ghost. I mean, it was like, that was kind of, and you're like, eh, I ain't into all of that. I get it. I totally, totally get it. I remember the first time I was asked uh, how to describe the Holy Spirit. I just graduated high school, and I was taking an internship at a church in Fayetteville, Georgia. And so one week after I graduated, I get in the car, I go to Fayetteville, Georgia, and uh, um, I meet my host family that I'm staying with that summer. The very next morning, we're going to summer camp in Gainesville, Florida. And so, uh, at at the church, they give me the keys to the minivan, one of the minivans that we have. It was a big student ministry. And I'm in charge of driving seventh grade boys. I'm still in counseling for that event. And then I'm actually sleeping in the dorm with the 7th grade boys. They're like, they're bunks, so it holds 10. There are five different bunks. I got 10 or 11 7th grade boys in there. Now listen, I'm just telling you, if you've never done this, it's an experience. You will smell smells that you've never smelled before in your life. Ever. It's only one way to get these smells, right? Um, and you never sleep. You never sleep with seventh grade boys in the room. And so uh, the kid on the top bunk, it was like 4 a.m. It's like the fourth night there. And we're not sleeping. They're not going to sleep. And the kid at 4 a.m. over the top bunk leans over and he goes, hey, Kenny, you asleep? I'm like, God, please tell me I can lie right now. It's just going to be okay with me and you, right? And he's like, Kenny, you, you asleep? And I'm like, he's not going to stop. No, good, I got a question for you. I was like, all right. He goes, all right, I get God, like he made everything. And I get Jesus, you know, he died on the cross and uh, came back to life. But the Holy Spirit, is he like a gas? (laughs) My response go to bed. Who cares? It's 4 a.m., right? And we never talked about it. That was it. So it was so weird being asked "Is he a gas. And so maybe you don't know how to explain him or describe him. Well, that's what this series is about. Now, I'll give you a little, uh, a little clue on reading your Bible that maybe it'll help you. The Bible is really divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. But I wanna explain a little bit because i want to add a third section and maybe it'll help a little bit. Um, The Old Testament is really about God and Israel. God takes center stage. We discover who he is, we discover uh, some amazing things about him and how he works through the nation of Israel. So God takes center stage. Now make no mistake, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are very present in the Old Testament, but God is the central character of the three. Then you have the Gospels. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John, you have two eyewitnesses. <laughs> only you can see that. We, only, we have two eyewitnesses who followed Jesus, and they wrote about it. And then we have two of those four who um, were reporters, and they're just taking testimonies and going, oh my gosh, something has happened in the city, and they're writing it down. Those four, the Gospels, are about Jesus. God and the Holy Spirit, very present. But it's really about Jesus, who he is, what he said, and watch him act. So you have one is about God, one is about Jesus. The rest of the Bible is about how the Holy Spirit operates and works in the life of believers and in churches. And so all three take center stage at some point in the Bible that you have at home or in your lap or on your, uh, on your device. Um, all three are active, but you can learn about each one according to where you're reading in the Bible. So hopefully that helps you out a little bit. But there's the first thing that I want us to talk about today about who is the Holy Spirit. The thing that I wrote down is the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He is a divine person. Now you go, why would you put person up there? Here's why. Because if you don't see him as a person, you cannot have a personal relationship with him. If you see him as a ghost, you cannot have a ghostly relationship with him. He's a divine person. He's not exactly like you, but he's a divine person. I I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. Imagine being one of his, uh, Jesus, his disciples. You have left your family business of whatever your family business was, fishing, carpentry, whatever it was with your family. You've left your family business because you are convinced or you're semi-convinced because of the miracles that this guy does that this Jewish carpenter is possibly like the one, like the Messiah, like God in a body. I mean, like this could be the, the guy that we have learned about, that prophets have told us about. And in a real way, you're not only leaving your family business, you're kind of leaving your family heritage, your Jewish heritage, to follow this guy. And so you've been with him for three years, three and a half years. You slept under the stars with him. You've heard his teachings, and you're like, my gosh, nobody teaches like this guy. You have seen him not just love women, but you have seen him elevate women in a culture that that does not happen. So the way he treats outcasts, the way he speaks to ladies, the way he treats kids, it's, it's just so revolutionary that in your mind, you're, you're really believing, I think he's the one. He really is the one. I'm telling you, nobody can do what he does. And then one day, after three years or so, you're sitting around a campfire together, and he looks at you and he goes, hey guys, it's been a great journey with y'all, but I'm leaving. You'll be like... Hold, hold on just a minute. What? Yeah, I'm leaving, but it's best for you that I actually leave. This is what Jesus told him. You would sit there and like everybody else in that circle, you'd go, Jesus, <laughs> we know you've never been wrong, but you're wrong right now. It is not best that you leave us. You go, and it is best for us. We go, it is not best for that you leave us. Listen, it is so easy with this evangelism thing when you're here. Hi, Larry. This is Jesus. Y'all talk. Like, I can do this evangelism. This is easy. Jesus, nobody in the circle wears a WWJD bracelet. We don't have to wonder what would Jesus do. We just ask you. You're right here. We need you. And he goes, no, 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 no. You don't. You really don't. I mean, I've helped you. I know it's been great. It's been a great journey. But I'm going to leave because it's best if I do. And they're like, why is it best for us? Here's what Jesus said, John 14, 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. This is their first teaching to where Jesus is trying to explain to them who the Holy Spirit is. And it's so fascinating because he used a word, another helper. Now, in Greek, there are two different words for another. I want to explain this if I can because this is really, really, really important. This is a baseball hat right here. (laughs) <laughs> I know, right? This is another baseball hat. <laughs> See, I know, right? Now, here's the thing: they're both hats, but they are completely different hats. I mean, I guess you could say this is a hat. Look at it. I don't even. I don't even know what this is, but it's a hat. Um, But it's totally different. The structure is different. The colors are different. The teams are different. This one's for losers. This one's for winners. It's just totally different. But watch. But they're both hats. This is not the another that you just read Jesus used. When he says another helper, he did not use this another. He could have, but he didn't. The another that he used was this. (laughs) This is a hat, this is another hat. They're exactly the same. There's no difference whatsoever. Colors are the same, stickers are the same, logos are the same, it is exactly the same. That's the word that Jesus just used when he first described the Holy Spirit to his disciples. You go, why is that important? Oh, it's huge. Here's what Jesus is saying. You know how I've claimed to be God? he is too. He's just like me. Everything I've told you about God, he's going to do the exact same thing. The ways that I've helped you, the miracles you've seen me do, he's going to do the exact same thing. The way I've brought people back from the dead, he's going to do the exact same thing. You're going to see him and he will be exactly like me. Here's the only difference I've been with you. He's going to be in you. So it's good for me to leave so that now you don't just have God in a bod, you got God in your bod. That's the difference. But He's exactly like me. That is a huge theological statement to make when you talk about the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus went on in verse 17, and here's what He says He explains a little more, and this is really important. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into truth, all truth. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, do you see the personal pronouns? He, him. Remember, You can't have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit if you don't see him as a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a he. The Holy Spirit is not a ghost. He is a him. He's not a she, not a force, not an angel on my shoulders. the Holy Spirit right there. He's got little wings. You see him right there? No, you can't see him. a little fairy dust. No, 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 no. Like Jesus is going, he, him, he is just as real as I am. You can touch, you can see me because I came and put on flesh so that you could see what God was really like. Guess what? No difference with the Holy Spirit. I need you to see him just as real as the person sitting next to you at this campfire right now. Like as real as Tom? As real as Tom. He is a divine person. Now, when you read scripture, I'm just going to do a few only because of time. This is is mind-blowing when you go, oh my, he really is just like a person. He has a mind. The Holy Spirit has a mind, just like you have a mind. How you're creative, how you think, how you respond, how you process, he does the exact same thing. Uh, One verse, Romans 8, uh, verse 26 and 27, just an example. In certain ways, we are weak. I would say in a lot of ways we're weak, but I didn't write it. But the Spirit is here to help us. For example, when we don't know what to pray for, stop and look at me. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe you've gone through something so painful, so confusing, um, so fearful, whatever it is, and you close the door and you put the pillow over your face and maybe you're weeping because the pain is so deep and you want to pray, but you don't know how to pray. I have been there many times in my life. This is beautiful. This is what it's saying. If you've ever been there, here's what he does for you. For example, when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit prays for us in ways that cannot be put into words. All of our thoughts are known to God because he knows everything about us. He can understand what is in the mind. There it is, the mind of the Spirit as the Spirit prays for God's people. This is so beautiful. When you have that moment that you don't know what to pray for or even how to pray, the Holy Spirit looks at you and says, I got you. I know exactly what you need in this moment. It might not be what you want, but I know exactly what you need. I'm going to tell God the Father exactly what you need. I'll be right back. Now, it doesn't happen exactly like that, but that's exactly what it's saying that he intercedes for you. His mind is watching you. His mind hears you. His mind sees you. And he says, I know what you need. I know it. I got it. i put it together. I know what you need in this moment. And we're going to accomplish God's will. Maybe not what you will, but what God's will, that's what we're going to go for. So I'm going to pray for you in this moment for you. How cool is that? That's his responsibility. It's just one of the things that he does. More on that next Sunday. He has a mind, though, an intellect. He thinks. He has emotions. Just like you have emotions. Just like you laugh. Just like you cry. Just like you weep. He has the exact same emotions. You go, where do you get that from? Here's just one example. Ephesians 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember... He has identified you as his own. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by how you live. Romans 15 verse 30 says this, that he actually loves you. So just like you love the person next to you, or maybe not, that's counseling for later on, but just like you love, just like you are hurt by other people, when people hurt you, he's the exact same way. This is just a couple of scriptures. You could read more about how he grieves, about how he, we, about how he feels deeply. The God who made feelings has feelings and he is no different. He is no different. Um, the best way to put it on this passage, by the way, if you've ever had anybody cheat on you, you know the grief in that moment because something's been lost there's an intimacy that's been cut. There's a, there's a betrayal that you feel. And so you, it's like you've been kicked, right? And like it, there's this grieving that happens. The verse that we just read marked with Romans 15, 30, he loves you and you are his. That is a context of marriage between you and God the Father that you're his bride, scripture says, and y'all are in this for the long haul and he's never gonna leave you. But boy, he feels it when we go against him. Just like you do. There's no difference. If you don't see him as a person, you'll never have a personal close relationship with him. But he not only has a mind, he not only has emotions, but he has desires. Just like you have desires. And like your will, there are decisions you want to be made in your life and there are decisions you make. Guess what? He does the exact same thing. He makes decisions and desires. Here's one example. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. All spiritual gifts have a common origin, that is they come from God, but they are handed out one by one by the Holy Spirit. He decides who gets what and when. Did you know that it's the Holy Spirit's job to decide what spiritual gift you get in your life? Some of you have been gifted in amazing ways. Some of you, you are an administrative genius. You've got spreadsheets for your spreadsheets that drive the rest of us crazy, right? Some of you, hospitality, I mean, it's like when people leave your presence or your home or just being around you, there's something about you that they walk away just feeling like a million bucks. Who gave you that kind of spiritual gift of communicating, of teaching, of whatever it is? Who gave you that gift? The Holy Spirit did. So if you don't like your Holy Spirit, you need to talk with Him. Because he's the one who handed it out to you. He watched you. He knows you. And in his mind, he looked at all the the spiritual gifts on the shelf, and he went, hmm, I know. I know which one she needs. This is the one she needs right here. This is her gift. Here's a question. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? You need to. Why? The Holy Spirit gave it to you. How will you know what to use if you don't know what it is? And here's what I also love. Not only does he look at your life, that God-fashioned, that God-formed he gave you a spiritual gift. He knows how to look at this family because he doesn't want any orphan left out of a spiritual family, just like a regular family, that this spiritual family he has a dream for. He has desires for. He, ha- he has things that he wants us to accomplish together. And when we're using our spiritual gifts together, I'm just telling you, unbelievable things happen. I want to read you an email, and I get these emails a lot, and when I can brag on you, I want I want to take time to do it. And I think this is just perfect. This is perfect. I didn't meet this couple. I still don't even know what they look like, and I still haven't met them, but here's what it says. Hey, Kenny, my wife and I have been on staff at a local church for 16 years. We are now going to plant a church in New Bronzeville, and we are being supported by our home church, and we're shooting at launching in January, so... We've been visiting other churches the last several weeks, trying to visit as many different venues as possible. We went to Hope City Church last week and there was an intangible it factor going on, and it's true. I mean, God's doing amazing things through Hope City Church. If you ever get a chance to go visit, you might want to because it's really, really great place. And the same thing was going on at your place. It was an it factor I cannot cannot explain. So I just want to drop a note of encouragement. You guys are, all capital letters, rocking it. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Since you can't read it, I was going to give you the grammar too. You're welcome. (laughs) I have never been in a church in a movie theater. So I don't even know what to compare it to. But you guys are doing it. And I have been to many churches. And the use of the facilities and the environments you create are on point. As we got out of the car and started approaching, a family of four was walking toward the building a little bit in front of us. And there was a little girl, maybe six years old, that ran up to the man by the door sitting in the chair. He was maybe 66 years old. And more like 96, really. (laughs) I love Coleman love Coleman. (laughs) Oh man. Maybe 66 years old and she hugged him. I thought, I guess he's a family member or something. But as we walked in, we saw that same theme throughout the entire theater. Your volunteers love kids. They love adults. They greet them and they greet them well. Man, I loved seeing that. We get into service and the worship arts, those musicians and those singers were tight, fantastic. I actually wanted more. And the message, a very timely word, answering a prevalent problem in the world today of anxiety with a timeless word from God, awesome. We had capital, a great experience. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Thank you, all capital letters, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. (laughs) Do you know what they experienced? They experienced the Holy Spirit. That's what they experienced. That's who they experienced. Why did they experience the Holy Spirit that way? Because people are using their spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gave them. And I don't know, it's in my mind. It's not in the Bible, but it might be in there somewhere, maybe in the message translation, to where when you're doing what the Holy Spirit, the gift he gave you to do, that he just steps back and goes, gosh, look at him, look at him go. Just look at him, just look at him. I love this. I love this. Look at her. Look at her on point. Actually, don't just look at her. I want everybody to look at me because I gave them the gift and I'm God. Holy Spirit, that's me. I'm him. I'm. Can everybody see me? No, they can't see me, but that's okay. It's awesome. <laughs> like I, In my mind, I see that happening. So he shows up here in an amazing way that when you're serving, when you're in the game, just doing the little thing of whatever it is that you do, he just loves it the same way if you've had the privilege of having kids, when you watch them do that thing that they do, there's just something. He's no different. He's personal. He's a divine person. He has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions that he experiences. And the second thing I wrote down, the Holy Spirit is a powerful gift. The Holy Spirit is a powerful gift. Uh, I love what Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says. Here's what it says. Repent and be baptized. Who who should? Well, all of you. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Nobody else did. That's okay. All of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Watch it, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's a gift. You can't buy him. You can't find him on the Amazon deal, two day deal. You, You cannot earn your way to getting him. He's a gift. Now, what's interesting, and I want to touch on this real fast, is that it says, repent and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I know we have a lot of people from different denominations who come here. Some don't claim a denomination at all whatsoever you're just new to church period uh, some people come from a southern baptist home some people come from a catholic place some people come from a presbyterian background some people you don't know what you are you're prepped to baptist i mean it's just like we're just kind of a mix in here and i love that i love that but here's the problem that we preachers we preachers have created many times in our churches we make it so difficult we really do We talk about it. Oh, well, you know what? I mean, is it repentance first or is it baptism? Because baptism is important, but so is repentance. And so, I mean, we better hurry up and baptize them right when they're born so they don't go to hell when they die, right? I mean, so some of you were baptized in the hospital. It's like, hey, it's a boy. I mean, okay, he's done. He's good. I mean, it's like, we better hurry up and do this thing, right? Hurry up and get them baptized. But but they have to repent because it says repent, and a baby or a child can't repent. So which one is it? Does the baptism come after then, after they understand their need for a Savior, and then they're baptized? Listen, when you read the Bible, context, 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 context. In this day, it was one and the same. They were never separated. It was one and the same. All the sermons happened outside by the Jordan River. Repent and be baptized. Good, let's do it. I love Jesus. Pfft, here we go. They don't like us having water in here, so we can't do it after I preach, right? It was one and the same. It's like going to Chick-fil-A and you go, I want the Chick-fil-A sandwich. No one does that. You're missing the fries. You're missing the best thing at Chick-fil-A. You just say, I want number one. Number one doesn't come with one thing. Number one comes with three things. When you give your life to Jesus, he would say, what, uh, why is there a debate on repenting and baptism. I think, I think if Paul were up here, he'd go, I want to make it real simple. Ready? Just repent and get baptized. It's easy. It's not difficult at all. Stop philosophizing. Stop talkifying all about it. I mean, just, just follow Jesus. That's the biggest thing. And he is a gift that you receive. You cannot earn him through being good. And when you give your life to Christ, show the world that you've given your life to Christ, get baptized, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, not just around you. In verse 7 of Acts chapter 1, he said to them, this is Jesus talking, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, You will receive, what's the word? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. I got a question for you. How many people around your life would say that your life is demonstrated by the word power? I'm not talking about that you do crazy things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about that you're different. There's a certain spiritual power that you have. There's this energy. There's this something about you that people in your office go, I don't know, man, she's just different. She should not be that way. I don't know. He is just, just different. There's something about it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Don't know what it is. Uh, Last night I did a wedding, and it was a wedding I've never done before in my life. I've done a lot of weddings. I ain't never done one this one, ever. Find out it's actually a dress up Halloween wedding. You name the costume, it was in the room. There were demons in the room. There were skeletons in the room. There were clowns in the room. There were hooter girls in the room. It, well, You name the costume, it was in the room. It was the craziest thing I've ever been a part of. I go down the front, and the groom comes down. He's standing next to me. I get up on the stage, and the first thing I say is this. At my church, we have a motto, no perfect people allowed. Y'all would fit in great with the people at our church. Everybody just laughed. It just set the tone. I loved it. It was awesome. It was awesome. My kind of wedding? Not really my vibe, but... Here's what I love the most. This is what I love the most. Before everyone kind of came in, I was standing out and the bar was open, people were drinking, and I was standing kind of over to the side, just kind of waiting for the doors to open so we could all go in. A lady comes up to me and she goes, Your name is Kenny. And I said, Yeah, it is. And she went, You're the only one holding the Bible. And I figured nobody dressed up like a preacher coming. So, yeah, I figured it was. <laughs> and she said, um, You go to the bridge. I said, I do. She went, uh, my husband and I have never been there, but, and she mentioned the lady who was getting married. I have prayed for her for years, for years. This was her phrase. I've prayed for her for years. She cannot stop talking about your church. She is totally different. Her life has completely changed. Completely, completely. And she goes on talking about how different her life is prayed for years, her life is totally different because she met Jesus. See, is there a difference that people would say uh, or describe your life? It's just powerful. It's a powerful testimony. It's a powerful thing that happened in their life. I don't know what it is, but man, it was so powerful apparently because they're so different. Does that describe your life? Because what Jesus said is when you get the Holy Spirit in your life, he doesn't come in and just start you know, just kind of changing some things around. He renovates the whole thing. And you become a new person, not a new version of you. That's different. You become, Scripture says, completely new. Is that you? So let me, let me ask a couple of questions to, to some people in the room. If you're in the room and you would say, I'm a Jesus follower, I, have, I, I signed the dotted line when I was 7, when I was 12, when I was 24, whatever, and I gave my life to Jesus, I remember that moment when he changed my life, I remember. I want to ask you a question, do you still love loving God? I'm not asking you if you love God, do you love loving him? Is he sp- still special to you? You know, Jesus told the story of what it was like when someone discovers who God is in their life, the kingdom of God. He said, it's it's, it's kind of like... If you were to find like this field that had a buried treasure in it that would radically change your life and your family's life and your kids' kids' life, and it's like you found the treasure, here's what you would do. You would go and sell everything that you had. You would leave everything that you ever knew, and you would come back just for that treasure in the field, and you would hold it dear to your heart, and you would be so excited that you found something so valuable. Jesus says, that's what it's like. To know God your Father. Do you love loving him like that? Let me ask all the Christians. This is just for the Christians in the room. This this is not if you're still wondering. I'll, I'll ask you a question in a moment. But if you're a Christian in the room, let me ask you this question. Are you grieving him? The Holy Spirit. Him who has feelings and a mind. He has desires for your life. He knows how to weep. He knows how to cry. Jesus cried. He cried many times in Scripture. He's exactly the same. No different. Is there something in your life? Listen, listen to me. And man, I'm saying this. I I just want us to be all that God has made us to be. Is there something in your life that the Holy Spirit is saying to you? I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go there anymore. I promised you, I'm never going to leave you. But every time you go there, you take me with you. And when you do that one thing, you're killing me. And I don't want to experience this anymore. It breaks my heart. I don't want to weep anymore. I don't want to grieve anymore. Old Testament and New Testament, the phrase is, from God, you're cheating on me. You're committing spiritual adultery on me with the world. And do you just sense the Holy Spirit something? you Maybe not. Maybe not. I'm just asking. Maybe there's something, though, where you just sense the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to come back to me. To me. I want you and I to get things right. And I want want to be close to you again. I want intimacy with you again. Just admit it that what's happening is wrong, and you're hurting me. You're hurting you. You're hurting people around you. This isn't... Man, Jesus paid for this. Don't go back to this. I want you back home. That's the beautiful thing about God. The invitation on the table is, hey, let's get it right (laughs) so we can find healing, so we can find hope again. Grace and mercy is available and let's move on with the life God has intended for you. Maybe that's where you are. For those in the room who, you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, you're still checking things out, but there's something, there's something. The question I have is, have you sensed God's invitation for you? You know, God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, just like Jesus was a gentleman. He's never going to barge in your life and go, you need me. But what he does is he just woos us. He calls us gently to say, I want you to know me personally. And I want you to leave your old life, and I want to give you a brand new life. And that's the other question is, do you want a new life? I love this is what the Holy Spirit does. It's a life of power, of significance, of purpose, of meaning, of peace, of love, of joy, of kindness, of gentleness. It's a self-controlled kind of life that he invites you to, and it's a brand new life. And if you've never done that before, I want to give you the opportunity today to, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes and nothing weird, not gonna embarrass you. Maybe you just wanna tell him, just say, I want you in my life. And the best way I know how, I'm inviting you into my heart to live forever and to change me, to change me. I know what my sin has done to you, but I know Jesus died on the cross for that. Paid a price I could never pay came back to life, and it's that life that I want. So the best way I know how, I say yes. I make you the Lord and the boss of my life and the lover of my soul. Thank you for changing me, fixing me, mending me, healing me from the inside out. God, thank you so much for today. I'm so grateful for how you speak to us. You alone know how to speak to our soul the part that no one sees, but yet so many times in this crazy world gets damaged the most. You alone can see our heart, the one that no one sees, but the real us that feels deeply and many times has feelings we don't know what to do with anymore. And you alone have the answers to being connected to you closely again. So God, thank you for what you have said to us about the Holy Spirit. Thank you for his role in our life and in this church family. How He is using all of us in this room to make a difference in people's lives. They're being radically changed forever. We are so grateful. Thank you for speaking to us. In your name we pray. Amen.